Dork and Beans, recording live outside again. How's it going, guys? I have a new headset again as well, so hopefully audio is better. I've tried to find this a little better spot to do a recording. It should have less traffic and, and pedestrian through a fair, so hopefully it's better for everyone's ears. Um, I don't know posting-wise how I've done, but the past I don't know, four or so recordings have all been very political and very um, heavy in, in uh, what's been going on globally, and so I'm hoping we move away from that a little bit today. Um, there is, of course, a tremendous amount of, of stuff going on globally. You have um, effectively Wave 2, or just the beginnings of Wave 2 for this pandemic that we're going through, and that's uh, amping up now, we're seeing like huge spikes in cases globally, even in countries. Um, there's a meme I saw that kills me that um, it's New Zealand and it's like zero cases reported. And then the next day it's like four cases reported and then it's a picture of Return of the King. <laughs> so, yeah, it works on a few levels. Um, yeah, so that's that's no bueno. It's pretty much every city's got it coming back. Uh, where I live, I live in Toronto, in Ontario, Canada, obviously. So Toronto is by far the busiest and most populous city. Um, I think we're better than Vancouver, but Vancouver likes to bite at that title too. Um, anyway, it's not good here. As with any city, you have too much density in the population, too many people who, I don't know, by either ignorance, stupidity, or just some sort of like quest for vengeance. People are just defying public health orders and are very eager to congregate. And Protests are kind of a different thing, to be honest. I, over this whole thing, I've been reflecting on and I, the, the causality and, and the, just, the righteousness of, of your reason to go protest is completely aside in this opinion, but obviously I'm, I'm very... I think the, the Black Lives Matter movement's important, and there's a lot of good that it does, and I think that <coughs> what happened to George Floyd was tragic, but I think we have bigger problems right now. <laughs> this is like a zombie movie where you got a group of survivors together, and they start bickering with each other because they're different races or something. Like, we got way more important things to focus on as a species. Like, let's put the race card down and pick up the species card, because we're really just all in this together and just like with wave two of the spanish flu this will kill more people and this will be a lot worse as the flu's had time to adapt it's not a flu now but the the covid the coves uh so not to make light of it but yeah that's happening so be safe be conscious just i know it sucks i mean it doesn't really for some people some people are loving this some people's businesses have grown and, and some people's whole life structure has been changed for the better and, and it won't be made to go back if they don't want it. So there's a lot of doors that it's open for people, but this really is unprecedented. We've not really had something like this. So it's every day is, is full of change and often challenge, but a lot of it can, in, in my experience and from what I've seen and spoken to and consulted with people on, it's there's a lot of room for positivity and potential good so anyway I think everyone's pretty aware of what's going on with that and honestly the protests uh, continue in, in the states it's a lot worse in a lot of the cities especially like in the in Washington and stuff with Chaz Chot 
chop, whatever it is now. That I think is a little ridiculous, but um, and I don't mean that in in a, in a way that disparages that movement or anything. But I think if you want to go live on a commune somewhere, power to you. Go f get like-minded people and start a commune. Don't border off six blocks of an American neighborhood and call it like a sovereign, policeless utopia state, and then a day later have a I don't know, famine, I guess you could call it, and the homeless people ate all their food or something, and then they had to appeal to the public for uh, aid in the form of meat substitutes and, like, soybeans and milk and, like, vegan stuff. It was hilarious. <laughs> really not a good look for the movement. But uh, I was listening to some reports on it and from police in the surrounding precincts who are having to deal with the crimes in this gap because the... the um, this all started with the evacuation of the precinct um, that was in the center of that area. And uh, everyone was escaped or let allowed to leave. I don't know how it works, but that kind of thing. But everyone got out all right. But since then, there's been no police activity. But the surrounding precincts who have been taking on that uh, overfill of duties uh, have been reporting there's a ton of, like, obviously looting and violence, but there's also, like, rape, and there's been a lot of substantial crimes, and it's very hard because they're having to drive a very far distance and, and work in neighborhoods they're not as familiar with. And it's, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, the police are largely a good and effective force. And it's a shame that there's some sort of endemic and systemic problems. And there's a lot of things that need to be fixed about them. And I'm, I'm not against potentially the idea of removing guns at, at some level, but the idea of like disbanding the police, like, are you fucking insane? Like, do you not understand? Like, what what's stopping people from you know grabbing the their katana and going outside naked and and like causing havoc? I think they they play such an integral role in society, and I think people are so ridiculously quick to think of something like that. But it's it's cast a bad light on the movement. I think the movement needs to highlight the the importance of of black people feeling um, part of a society that recognizes them as equals and not the victims are targeted by that society. And I think when you start lobbing on these other side issues and uh, police brutality and everything, I mean, it, it gets grayer and it sort of becomes more complicated. And I think the solution is not as cut and dry as, as simply saying, it, as, as finding the solutions would have been otherwise. But I didn't want to dwell on it too politically. Um, I think besides that, I mean, we have the murder hornets on the back burner right now. No one's heard on that in a while. I think in Alberta, BC, on the um, on the west coast for the states, I guess, like your your Californias and your so on and so forth. That's where they predominantly are living, I think, or thought to be living. So we'll get back on that. There's also been uh, border skirmishes with India and China. I think there's something like 20 killed on one side, 40 on the other side. So we're back to World War III looming pretty, pretty near. Um, yeah, those are the, I would say, top three highlights of the week globally. Um, <laughs> we're teetering close to global conflict again. The pandemic ravaging, ravaging, <laughs> ravaging the planet. Uh, uh, it's an early morning today, guys. I got up at 5.30. The pandemic ravaging the planet is at... A new stage. I was trying to get out there. 
And there's constant and frequent protests and riots in those cities about racial violence. So, I mean, doesn't get more dystopian than this. And this is <laughs> clearly the darkest timeline. Um, wow, it all happened so fast, too. So I've been burying my head in the sand a little bit, playing Dragon Age Inquisition, um, which was supposed to be what this podcast was about. I don't know if anyone's ever played it. Um, I had not played any of the Dragon Age games going into this. Uh, I don't even know how many there are. I assume there's a Dragon Age is number one, and then Dragon Age 2, probably. And then, so this is probably third. Maybe there's something I'm missing. Um, I'm a big fantasy fan, obviously. I, I love that stuff. So, I mean, I've had a really good time with most games that are sword and shield, dragons and wizards. So, yeah, bring it on. Um, I'm, as recording this, I think I put in a little over 100 hours. When you save your game, it tells you the number, and I think it just is like 101 last time I looked. So this comes to you after spending probably 100 hours in the game. I don't know if that counts, if like I've paused it and gone to like eat a meal and forgot it was on or something. <laughs> but it feels like I've been a, it's been 100 hours. Uh, the learning curve in this game is huge. And I'm, I'm a lifetime scholar of like Warhammer lore and sort of like obviously DC and Marvel Comics lore. And so, I mean, there's some things that I, I understand like the back of my hand, but when you are confronted with a new universe that you know nothing about and it's as lengthy and, and full of depth like the material I just mentioned, then it's it's a lot. It's a lot of reading, it's a lot of not knowing who or what anyone is talking about at any given time for the first 25-30% of the game because you just eventually get contextually what things are and you start to like associate stuff and it makes sense. But no, at the beginning, I don't know what universe this is. I think it's the country is called Thetis or Thetis or something. Thedas. Thedas. Um, it's T-E-T-H-E-D-A-S. There's two countries in it. I think one's Orlais, which is like the French side, which is just France, I guess. And the other is Thereld? Uh, I'm, I'm intentionally, not intentionally, but I'm aware this will be a little bit rife with inaccuracies, so don't don't at me. Use it as a chance to learn and better yourself. Or send me what I've got wrong. I'd probably skip that cutscene. Uh, there's a very Franco-English civil war going on in, the, in those two lands. We'll start there, I guess, to explain it. In the French side, there's, there was like a religion, I guess it was started, called the Chantry. And they're, uh, they believe in the divine, who I guess is God, and then Justinia? No. Yeah, I think there's like a, a, a mother Jesus lady kind of, um, wait, I'm getting it wrong. Okay, I think Andraste is the name of the mother Jesus kind of character. So there's the divine, there's Andraste, and then I think there's like a, a pope. Um, a, I think his name Justinia, I don't know if that's the title, maybe I'm wrong on that altogether. The new divine, I think, is, is what she's called. Yeah, again. So 
this this kind of centralist religion it permeates a lot of stuff so they're an establishment and they have a military wing much the same as the the catholic church had the crusaders they have the the templars um which are like crusaders i guess but they do drugs there's this thing called lyrium which again i don't know they only have bits and pieces i think they take it like a drug that makes them crazy strong and Templars are famously like resilient to magic and they're like able to like bust through magic and curses and all that kind of stuff and I think it helps them do that but it becomes not just an addiction I think they need it to live like it takes over their body or something and then there's an evil kind of lyrium called red lyrium which um, turns them into kind of like evil demon people we're gonna get into that though Um, the Templars started a civil war I don't know who started it there's a civil war started with the Templars and the mages and the mages are yeah wizards Um, the mages have an organization called the circle I think the circle and circles have like fortress castle houses or something or magic towers in every city and if you're and they're like quite spacious and stuff so if you're a a mage or you have any kind of magic then I'm pretty sure it's the Chantry or maybe it's the Circles of they they find the kid and they send them to the Circle and then they live their life there it's very similar like to the Jedi Temple style from what I can tell but you take a gifted kid young enough and and they, they grow up there and they're not unlike the Jedi though they're like not really allowed to leave they're kind of locked there forever, unless like missions and stuff, just be, for the sake of containing their like off their their abilities. I don't know, awesome or awful. Or, like they're just most of them are pretty benign. Um, they become like regular societies, the circles, but uh, a lot of them do apparently kill themselves, which really like soured that organization for me. Like apparently, like they're really must be a lot of abuse and unhappiness from what they're implying. But um, I think to protest this is part of why the mages were involved in the civil war and so the, the mages and the templars are fighting and that's a big big conflict and that's i'm gonna put that on the side for a second because the main conflict i haven't even started with my character is that the, i mean you're they, they don't make it easy to understand if you're a beginner at this game the the, the game kind of starts with you like tripping through like the deep warp space kind of nether realm you know, under dark, whatever it is, upside down. Like you're in the the, the spirit realm, and uh, you somehow get out of it. Um, again, I think there were a lot of spiders and some demons. I watched most of that cutscene, and your ability to get out of it and escape, I think, is attributed to you being blessed divinely, or like the divine's chosen. So they spread this rumor I mean like if you're really good in the game I, I, my character was, was very like lawful and positive and so I, I think that affects the outcome a little bit but if you're if you have that um, MO for your character they start referring to you as like the herald of Andraste and like the Andraste is chosen um, so you are on this quest to kind of solve all the problems of the land and unify everybody and work together but I should mention you have 
an antagonist in the form of this big, really gross-looking, and I mean this, like, good character design. He's just so upsetting to look at. He's, like, this demon that's made of, like, crystals and stretched, grossed skin, I guess is the best way to... His name is Corypheus, I think? He's got, like, red crystals jutting out of him everywhere, which I assume is red lyrium, and, like, he's just elongated and gross and he's got like arms that are twice as long as they should be and he's all stretched out and skeletal anyway he's somehow he's fixing to become like a new god and get the ultimate power and the ultimate power is something to do with this thing that was the reason you were in the wharf and it turns out it's like a magic spot on your hand it's called the anchor and I'll tell you that till later and the anchor lets you open and close rifts which are gates to that realm that we talked about. Uh, so you get separated from him, and then the focus of the game is you on your long, very long winding quest to build up your personal faction and all this, which is sort of a third side of it, which is the Inquisition. Little credits. And then uh, you have a host of, of party members, which are just three NPCs that you can equip at a time, but you can... I think there's probably like 12, 10 maybe in total. You meet them throughout your adventure. You can bring them on board. You can change your party anytime. But yeah, it winds up being this... Uh, f for me, it was a very thorough playthrough. I, I like to go search area, every area and like complete all the missions and everything before we move on to the next one. And there are a lot of areas. There's probably eight maybe different... like map areas that you can travel to and once you travel to it it opens up a huge map and it's like the size of a, a you know a quite expansive place so it, you know some of them are like the storm coast is like the coast of ireland with the those rock the step like those cool pillar rock formations and stuff um lots of storms there's like a desert with dragons and dragon accessories uh there's old battlefields there's like caves, forests, all that stuff. And then you run into every kind of monster there. So, that, you know, not just the faction enemies, but there's also, like, giants and dragons that you can encounter in the wild and you fight them and literally all kinds of animals. And they call rabbits nugs. Makes me laugh. But it's a really good time. You can blaze through it and be done it in a, probably, like, 10 hours or something. Like, I'm sure there's speed runs online. It's a lot shorter than that. But... As a normal person, if you just sort of make a beeline for the exit and you don't do all the side quests, you'd probably have a harder time beating it because you'd be really weak, but you could do it quickly. But I was getting very frustrated in how weak my character was, so I just got really carried away and like grinding and leveling up, and then I wound up pretty much being almost max level when I did the end level, which I wouldn't recommend either because then it's kind of anticlimactic. Um, my character is a human mage so I, I wanted to like magic seemed like the most fun way to go so I definitely wanted to try that out this being said I'm obviously going to make like three more characters I had a friend who used to play this game obsessively and he put in like a thousand hours and I understand now why it's because you just can do so much differently and see the game in such a different way if you play a different type of character they do let you play as your party members but it's not it's not the same so, human mage, um, I liked my character, he had like red and blue eyes, like a cool, like, because I, I didn't know how the magic worked, I was going to be like a fire and ice mage. Um, 
by the end of it, I was like a lightning necromancer. So, I mean, life is funny. But, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time, and you make your character yours. I want to do that again. Um, magic is very cool, very OP. Uh, but I'd love to see the game as like an archer or like a close combat character. Um, yeah, at the beginning, I was getting thrown around, man. I, I went to a place called the... I don't know, it's like the sad bog or something, like the, the ghost swamp, whenever it's full of like skeletons. And I was getting my ass kicked by like your basic low level like skeleton, like the, the genericest fucking enemy in a game. Yeah, so I went on this like pilgrimage, uh, sabbatical to places that with, with hard enemies that I could just grind and. Uh, yeah, my character. I think by like level 18, I think it caps at 20. Um, I was ready to do the main one. There, there's an interesting weapon building system. It's a bit limited, where you can like find recipes and stuff and make them. And so each weapon has some customized slots, and it ends up affecting the visually the color of the the weapon and its name and its effects. And like that aspect is amazing. But the loot I found was really limited. <laughs> like they don't. There isn't a lot of like really awesome stuff at the game, especially compared to something like Diablo or, or Fallout, where you just, you know the killing of a big creature is going to have like a big weapon, or that you're going to find it. I have used four staves, staffs, staves in the game, um, and I, I kept them all, so when I would get a stronger one, I would, and I'd only use the strongest one, I'd put it in the safety deposit box. So after the end of the game, I had four, I mean like, and, you know, that's to say there was only, like, four really good weapons given to me in the game. The rest is just the same kind of junk you find and you sell and you can make. And I don't know. It is a very good game. I would 100% recommend it to anyone. It <coughs> gives you the experience. Sorry, guys. It gives you the experience of a pretty cool fantasy uh, adventure. But the building up of your faction is really what's cool. So the Inquisition is, is yours. It, it, halfway through the game, they nominate you to be head of it. and So you have access to... You free run of this castle that you get. Spoilers. Um, you get this wicked castle, and you customize it to an embellishment degree. Like, you can change, like, the bedding and the drapes and the rugs and window glass. You can do stuff like that, and then turn certain key areas into... Uh, option A or B, depending on if you have the resources to upgrade it. Um, but it's not only your castle, but like your, your wardrobe is there, so you can change what your character's wearing. You have the, the war table, so you meet with your three advisors, and you can send them on missions, which are usually like, you have three advisors, and so you just put them on a mission, and then you wait between ten minutes to like an hour, and then they come back and you get a reward. And some of them affect in-game things like one of them could be like build a bridge and then in the game if you go to that area there's no bridge and then if you do the mission you go there's a bridge but usually it's just a lot more reading <laughs> you read like like some duke in some province wants you to support his rebellion and like three paragraphs of reading and then like your advisor is a bunch of reading and then like the reports a bunch of reading and all you get out of it is is, is influence there are a lot of resources both physical like herbs and rocks and stuff to collect but also like your personal experience is beside the inquisitorial experience. So, like, your, I think it was Inquisitor rank 11, which is like your famousness, and I think it affects how 
the organization does. And then you also have power, which is kind of a currency that you use to buy missions and sort of, it's not power per se. I think it's poorly named. That's what it's called, but you get it for like doing missions, but also at the war table going on some missions costs power. So, um, yeah, I guess I don't want to ruin it specifically. I mean, I don't want to tell you how it ends. I don't want to tell you what, what to do or not do, but as someone who had no understanding going into it and just kind of <laughs> picked it up and went, and I still to this day don't have a terrific understanding of the wider world, but I know the adventure that I went on, and I, you know, I know pretty much what happened, my character's names, the immediate person's... I know exactly what you just listened to me say. I think that's the end-all and be-all of that. So, give it a try. You, you, you bit of a time commitment, but still. Um, but we have a lot of time now, you know? It's good. I will, at the risk of making it political or boring, I, I will probably cap it there. Again, today, I hope it's been better audio and content, I guess, and good luck out there. I don't know what everyone's doing, but if you're, you know, at home working on that business or working from home, you, you go get them. I got a lot of friends, and for my own work, I do a lot of work with people who are transitioning their business, whether existing or starting one, to be based out of their home and to be based predominantly online, and it's, it's the way to go. I mean, firstly, as a business owner, why would you want to pay more to have a brick-and-mortar office if you don't need it. And as a, someone who does any kind of work, I mean, wouldn't you rather do that from home? I mean, I understand some people make the case that they like that separation, and that's healthy, and I get it, and if you can't work well at home or you don't have a good space for it, but I think the majority should be given the option. I think that instead of having a big office and every, most people come in, some people stay home, have a small office. The people that want to go in can go in, the people that don't stay home. It's very within reach, so if you are thinking about doing it for your business or if you're, you know, someone who feels like that needs to be where your company's going and that, you know, that momentum isn't there, like, you can definitely be, uh, be that push. I do consulting. I don't want to, I don't try to mix business with the podcast, but uh, to give some context, I do consulting for predominantly business growth and business development so if you have a company I work with you to uh, make a business plan to help you get the visibility and brand growth you want you know through social media through marketing through uh, a lot of connections through uh, business to business uh, interfacing and a lot of stuff that I do I work with a few different platforms and then I also do consulting for uh, film and television shoots in Toronto I do a lot of uh, location management um, I have a couple credits on some movies, actually. Shazam, I think, was my highlights of, of my life work experience was, was getting to be involved with that. Um, the show Titans, Handmaiden's Tale, um, a bunch of stuff. But, yeah, I, I've, I've had so many clients in the past since, I guess, not since March, probably since April, so many people be interested in finding out if they can run their company uh, digitally, with uh, virtually, without an office, however you want to call it. And for most people, it's been a, a, a yes. And for the people that have implemented it, it's been a resounding success. So if you're just doing your side hustle, power to you, do it from home. But if you're running a company or you're going to a company that's in a, in a building, you know, especially in light of what's going on, it's maybe time to rethink it. So 
again, good luck, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy. It's weird times, but, you know, play Dragon Age.